Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media or to tune into our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Now here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles, open them to the book of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah is at the end of the Old Testament. So if you get to Malachi, the last book, Zechariah is right before Malachi and just after Haggai. So if you're in that area at the end of the Old Testament, I want you to open to Zechariah chapter 4 in a Bible study that I've entitled, Moving Forward in the Strength of His Spirit. Moving forward, it is God's will for you and I to move forward in the strength of the Holy Spirit. You aren't going to be able to make it on your own. And I was just thinking as we were looking at a new year and all that we bring into this new year, I was just thinking, listen, you got to hear me out on this. Unless you make substantive changes, things will not change in your life. Like it's just not going to happen. Like if you don't make the changes the Spirit of God has been leading you to, you, you don't make the changes of repentance, of humility, of brokenness. If you don't turn a corner in your life, then you're going to continue to experience the same thing you have every other year. And so, you know, you think about it. You didn't make the change in 2020. You didn't make it in 2021. You didn't make it in 2022. And now here we have a new, a new year upon us. And you're, you're still in this kind of phase where, you know, I don't know if I really want to do it or not. I don't know. I think religion's good enough for me or coming in and out of church is good enough for me or, or, you know, I'm doing just fine. Listen, if you don't make substantive changes, then things are going to be worse than they have in previous years. It's not going to get better if you continue in the way that you're going, whether it be compromise, whether it be apathy, whether it be just kind of going through the motions, whatever it is the Lord has been speaking to you about, you could even been been grieving him. You, You could even have been resisting him and the Lord's opening your eyes again. You've got to make substantive changes. It's not going to happen by itself, except that the changes are only in cooperation with God. It's going to be his power and his strength, which brings us to verse 6 in Zechariah chapter 4. It's a very familiar passage. It's a familiar passage because it's one of those fundamental verses that we have in the philosophy of ministry of Calvary Chapel, a family of churches by which this church was birthed. And so it's one of those verses. It's on our website. It's on our app. It's in our welcome packet. Like it's one of those verses that's so common that we repeat it so much that we may forget the significance of the truth that it conveys to us. And I just show you in verse six, there's a word from the Lord to a man by the name of Zerubbabel. And this was the word. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And here in my Bible, it's highlighted green. You know, I'll highlight some verses in orange. They remind me of the deity of the Holy Spirit. Some verses in my Bible are highlighted pink. The deity of, uh, uh, orange is the deity of Christ. Pink is the deity of the Holy Spirit. And when I highlight something green, it is a reminder. It's one of those foundational verses for me of how to go forward in ministry. I can't forget this one. It is foundational, fundamental of how I serve God. It is the outworking of how I love God with all my heart, soul, and mind and love my neighbor as myself. It can't be by my power. It can't be by my might. It can't be by anything that I have to offer to God. It has to be by his spirit or it won't last 
or it could very well not be from him. If we would just learn this and live it in our lives, our lives would be so much easier and so much more filled with joy. I didn't say lives would be easy. I just mean easier. If we just learn to trust in the Lord with all our heart, lean not on our own understanding, but acknowledge God in all our ways and what? He'll direct our paths. He'll empower us. He will help us. He will open doors before us that no man can close. And he'll close doors before us that no man can open. I mean, you don't have to work a game with God. You, you, don't, have to, you, you don't have to manipulate things. You don't have to be a wheeler dealer with God. As a matter of fact, God doesn't bless that behavior. He blesses the surrendered life, recognizing that all God has for you is yours by faith. And it's not just for when things are bad. It's also for when things are good. It's not just for when things seem to be going well, but especially when we feel trapped, when we feel discouraged, when we feel defeated, or even more when we're disillusioned with everything that we see in the world or in the church or uh, on the news, just disillusioned. You know, it's good to learn this when our life is upside down. But it's also good, like some of you, you're just starting out when your life is being turned right side up. And God's doing a good work in your life. Well, we drop in now in Zechariah chapter 4, in a time in the nation of Israel and the people of Jerusalem, of great difficulty. At this time, there's been 16 years of idleness and desolation since Zerubbabel has come. You remember, you Bible students, you remember that there was a time when the temple and the walls of Jerusalem were destroyed. And God sent Nehemiah back, and he helped rebuild the walls, sent Haggai and Zechariah as messengers, and a man by the name of Zerubbabel to help rebuild the temple. And they started the work, but very quickly let it go. Not only that, but greed and apathy invaded their hearts. So the very materials that they had to rebuild the temple, the people started rebuilding their own houses and doing a little remodeling job, HGTV, you know, and taking care of things and making sure, well, you know, the temple can wait. We're going to take care of ourselves. And Zerubbabel, this man, is discouraged. There was progress with the wall, but nothing else. And the people just said, ah, it doesn't matter. And they learned how to live with the weeds and the brokenness. And they just accommodated themselves. They didn't really care about the temple, the place of worship anymore. They began to care more about themselves. And Zerubbabel is God's man to help, but now he's overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed with the task at hand. It was more than he could handle when he was dispatched. And now that he's been there for years, it's more than he can handle now. You'll see in verse 7, he's actually described as a mountain. It's like it's overwhelming. So with that in mind, let's read in beginning in verse 1 of Zechariah 4. It says, now the angel who talked with me came back and awakened me as a man who was wakened out of his sleep. Let's just pause there for a second because I don't think that's there by mistake. This particular vision that God gave to Zechariah because that's how God spoke to Zechariah as a prophet, a spokesperson for God, that he's gonna now bring this message. So this particular vision came as he felt like he was being wakened out of sleep. And I think it's important that you realize that God is calling the church to wake up, to wake up out of our sleep, but not wake up. Some of you are like, yes, amen, let's wake up, but not necessarily the way that you think. 
So all of a sudden now we got to wake up and fight some kind of fight. God's not calling you to do that. He's calling you to wake up to repentance, to examine your life, to ask the Lord to do the deep work in you and then respond to it. He's not asking you to fight battles in this world with the solutions that the world offers. Well, if you know, we just do this. And and the world says, well, you know, this is how we're going to do it. And you go, well, we can do it better. No, you can't do anything. You need to let the Lord do the work in you. Surrender to him, church. You got to wake up. And I dare say, some of you, that hit really close to home. And you're like, oh, you know, I don't need to wake up. No, actually, that kind of response, you probably do. God is waking you up out of sleep. Or you can keep doing the same thing your whole life. Keep coming in and out of this church. Come in the door, sit down, sing, maybe not sing, come late, skip the music, come for the music, skip the message, whatever you do. I mean, we have even people drop their kids off and go shopping. I guess that's the way it is these days. So you keep doing that, keep doing that, and then then you wonder why you're so disillusioned. You have no connection with God. It's just religion for you. It's like, well, you know what? This is the last time we're coming to this church. Well, then go do it somewhere else. Like, what do you think is going to change? What do you think is going to change if it's this church or that church where you're just in that place where you're not in a position of worship? Everything has to be your way. Everything has to go the way you want it. And really, all the while, you're resisting the work that God wants to do by his power and his strength. And as you mentioned, as we mentioned in previous studies, what the response is, surrender and obedience. Surrender and obedience. You can even read your Bible religiously. You can even say, you know, repetitious prayers religiously. But are they truly out of relationship because you want to be in relationship with God and love others in our community. I mean, you can think of how many times this world has made you go against people for a reason. You have a reason. You know, they're this category of people, and they're this the category of people, and I don't like those people, and I don't like those people. And how convenient it is for us to create categories where we can put somebody in, and then now no longer are we see people as our neighbor, Instead, we see people in the category, and now we don't have to love them. And what kind of church makes a difference like that? That doesn't care about the social ills of this world. Doesn't care about the spiritual ills of this world. Doesn't care about the brokenness of this world. Doesn't care even about our own next door neighbors. What kind of, how does God use a church like that? And so, yeah, it's time to wake up, church. God wants to use you. There's exciting things ahead. We don't always have to be on our heels and always concern about ourselves, but God has put us in the world to reach the world. Any more want to amen that or just three? I'll take the three. I'll take the three. That's fine. I'll take it. But I'm telling you, God wants to use your life. And if you're like me and you're being awakened to the reality that more years are behind me than ahead of me, then I just want to run all the more. And I want to depend all the more. Because truly, I think in the heart of hearts of anyone listening to me here or there, in the room, downstairs, online, on a radio station somewhere in the forest of Georgia, God has put in our hearts the desire to be in unity with him and that our lives might make a difference for eternity. I mean, that's just amazing that God would use us in such a way. But it's not going to happen apart from the Holy Spirit. It's not going to happen in our own strength. So here they are. And here's the vision, verse 2. 
He said to me, what do you see? And so I said, I'm looking and there's a lampstand of solid gold. If you'd like to write in your Bibles, you can write next to that menorah. This is a menorah, what you would commonly see today, but a large one, not a little one for your desk, but a large one. Some of you guys going to Israel with us, we'll show you one when we get to Jerusalem. So he sees this lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on the stand were seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, at one the right of the bowl and the other at, it, at its left. And so I answered and spoke to the angel who talked to me saying, what are these, my Lord? And the angel who talked to me answered and said, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. And so he answered and said to me, this is the word to Zerubbabel. From the picture, from the vision, this is the word. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, verse 8, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. So Zechariah has a series of visions, but this particular vision is a vision of God's power to complete, his power to finish. And we're reminded today that God, what he has started in your life, he is faithful to complete it. He will not, he, as Pastor Chuck Smith has taught us, he will not bring you this far just to abandon you. He didn't bring you this far to say, okay, this is as far as it goes. He is going to do it until the day of Jesus Christ. Consider these truths, Psalm 57, verse 2. I will cry out to God most high, to God who performs all things for me. Psalm 138, verse 8. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. Isaiah 26, 12. Lord, you'll establish peace for us, for you also have done all our works in us. Philippians 1, verse 6. This is the one we're most familiar with. Being confident of this very thing, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Well, you know what? Zerubbabel needed that word too. Because it's been 16 years and there isn't any progress. 16 years is a long time, isn't it? It'd be a long time to wait for something just to start up again. To wait for something to see a next stone. Because he's already laid the cornerstone. He's already started but now God says, I'm going to, in verse 8, you're going, to, you're going to have the capstone. The capstone's coming. You're going to finish. You're going to complete it. But it's a hard thing to wait. And so Zechariah was given this vision of the menorah. You know, there was a menorah lampstand in the tabernacle, which was the temporary place of worship in the Old Testament with Moses. There were also uh, 10 lampstands of gold within the temple, again, bringing light on either side of the altar of incense. And it was a lampstand that had these, these pillars coming out of them with lights on top, and the priest would come in, the responsibility would pour the oil, and when the oil came out, they'd pour the more. The oil was anointed specifically for this so that the lampstand would stay burning bright. But that's not this vision. You notice this vision, there are no priests involved in lighting of, the tent, of this lampstand. There are two trees that have pipes, if you will, branches coming into the bowl so that from there, there will be a continual supply of oil that has nothing to do with man, that God is going to provide this. 
There's no need for the priests, no need for their help, because God is going to give this constant, reliable supply of oil. And this would have been encouraging to Zerubbabel. And as it's translated to him in something he could receive, he's not just, he's, it's not just about the lampstand and the oil, but for Zerubbabel, listen, you don't need to worry about how this is going to be taking place, how, it's going to, how, how the temple is going to re, be rebuilt. It's almost like all the 16 years that you've been concerned, you don't need to worry about it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, Zerubbabel. And it's not going to be by might. You know, whether that be military might or hundreds of guys are going to come and build it. That is not the way the temple is going to be built, although I'll use the hands of men. Neither will it be by power, Zerubbabel. It's not going to be your own intellect and your own power and your own plan. And you need to figure this out. It's going to be by my spirit. That's the key. God's continual supply of resources and strength. And you Bible students, you know that oil is often symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So this would speak directly to Zerubbabel. He knew this. Oil was very important. A picture and a type of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. So a constant supply is an encouragement that the work will be done by God in his strength. Oil was important in the anointing for power and service. Oil was important to bring about a reminder, a reminder that when God anoints what he starts, he's faithful to complete. If you're a note taker, there's some other things we learn about oil that will help us in our present day understanding. Number one, Oil, like the Spirit, lubricates. Oil is a lubricant. And lubricants remove and minimize friction. So when the Holy Spirit is poured out over a group of people, there is a sweetness of peace between them. There's a lot of friction in this room right now. You realize that. You may not feel it, but there's a lot of friction in this room. In a group this size, and wherever you might be, whenever you get people together, there will be friction. You want to know why? There are a lot of opinions in this room, a lot of different opinions, that if we gave opportunity to share them all, there might even be some fistfights in here. People get upset. You go, oh, fistfights. Have you seen Facebook lately? That is the fistfight of today. You go, well, you know, everybody wants to know my opinion. Nobody wants to know your opinion. Except you're like, well, you know, I just had this big fight on Facebook and I won, Pastor. I got my point across and I won. You won nothing. Nobody got saved. You got blocked by 10 people and now you're all prideful. Is that what you won? Like, if there's anything Christians are good at is arguing about things that don't matter. Secondary things. Things that will not be taken from here into eternity. They're just wasting our time on earth. We just get caught up in things. Because let me tell you something. It's so much easier to get caught up in something where you get to make the rules than to submit yourself to God where he makes the rules. And you might have just forgotten that when you were born again, you signed over, if you will, the rights to your life. All of it. And so there is friction. There's always friction. There's friction in churches, friction in family, friction. That's why the solution to the friction you're feeling is to submit to the Holy Spirit. Not to take things into your own hands. We don't fight with human weapons, right? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not human. You're not going to win it with some big argument. You're not going to prove your point. It's just better to get on your knees in the closet and start praying. And ask the Holy Spirit to smooth this out because you haven't been able to thus far. 
Oil, not just like, uh, not, not just like the Spirit lubricates, but secondly, oil like the Spirit cleanses and heals. Jesus taught us this. Remember when he gave us the parable of the man that was on his way to Jericho? He got really beat up. And who showed up to help? A Samaritan. We often refer to him as a good Samaritan. And he came to help, and what did he do? He took oil and wine and poured it over the wounds of this man. Before he got him in to somewhere he could help them, he took oil and wine. Because oil brings healing. It helps to move the process of healing of wounds. And I think that is significant where we learn that the Holy Spirit can really help, help heal all of the wounds that we carry. Well, of course, not physically, but spiritually and emotionally and mentally. God wants to give you a sound mind. He's given it to you by faith. He wants to help some of the friction that you have with your daughter, with your son, with your in-laws, with the difficulties of the prodigals and the, maybe a previous divorce and the ex. And like God, the Spirit, you've got to get out of the way and let the Spirit of God bring healing and cleansing in that situation. And then thirdly, oil like the Spirit warms and fuels Zerubbabel would have this in mind. He would understand the picture. Zechariah would understand. You know, oil was a chief commodity in Israel. It's what they used to cook with. It's what they used to light their homes with. It's what they used to bring warmth into their home. It was very important. No oil, no food, no warmth, no light. And haven't you found that to be true in your own life? No Holy Spirit. You're not understanding the scriptures. You're not feasting on the word. There's no light in the situation. You feel like you're in the dark. There's no warmth. You feel cold and isolated where the Holy Spirit is ready to minister to you. The Spirit of God warms our hearts by illuminating the scriptures to help us know the truth. So that's the word given to Zerubbabel. He's in in a place of an impossibility. We know that because it says here in verse 7, He he says, who are you, O great mountain? And which one of us today have not faced some great mountain? And we happen to live in an area where we can understand the majesty of mountains. You know, before we added on to this building, this wall was all there was. And in this wall, there weren't doors over there. You know what the whole wall was filled with? Windows. And so I always wanted this side to be roped off because everybody would be looking out the window, looking at the majesty of the view that we have upstairs here. And I'm like, hello guys, I'm teaching you. Oh, but the mountains, they're so beautiful. They're so wonderful. And they are, they are. You know, yesterday as I was coming into the office, coming to church last night, I drove the long way and I came up all the way Hampton, almost by the dump up there. There's a, there's a road, I forget the name of it, but as you're driving in to make a left on Hampton, people even park there. The view is so amazing. And there were people parked there to see the view. It was clear yesterday, a little bit of cloudy, snow on there. You could see the whole front range from Pikes Peak all the way north of Denver, all the way up. And it was like unbelievable. And of course, the majestic from here on top of the hill where we are, but as you get closer, they become more majestic and huge. They're huge and enormous. They're not like the plains. Right now, we're on the plains. Did you know that? We are on the plains. All the way to Kansas from here, get over the dump, and you are on your way to Kansas. This is what it's like. We are the flatlands. You get out to Watkins and Bennett, a little bit of wind out there, all the way through until Kansas. We're the plains. But you know, if we go west, we'll hit the mountains. 
And isn't that like life? You know, a lot of our lives lived in the plains. We have a little bit of things here and there, but eventually you're going to hit a mountain. You're going to hit a big mountain. So what's our response? Oh, you know, I know how to deal with mountains. I'm going to spend the rest of my life chipping away at Mount Evans. All right, well, tell me how that goes. You could spend your whole life chipping. You can go buy yourself one of those, what do they call those? Jackhammers. You can buy one of yourself and jackhammer that mountain till your whole life. You're not going to make much progress. You have no power or strength to move that mountain. It's only by the Spirit of God. Mountains, they, those insurmountable impossibilities like Zerubbabel's facing. For him, it was rebuilding the temple with a bunch of apathetic, greedy people. For 16 years, they did nothing except serve themselves. And so he's bummed and he's discouraged. And God knows that and sends him a messenger and says, hey, look, bro, it's not going to be by your strength. It's not going to be by your power. Don't worry about it. It's going to be by my spirit. And you're going to speak to that mountain. And I think some of you, just by activating your faith and trusting God, you just got to start speaking as those mountains. And it's like, God, you're not going to have my kids. God, you're not going to have my marriage. God, you're not going to have this in my life. I want to break free of this addiction. I want to break free of this, this thought pattern. I, I, and you just got to speak to your mountains that they'll become plains. Too many of you have just let the mountain sit there. And Jesus said, if you have a faith of even a little mustard seed, God will move mountains for you. And that's what Zerubbabel needed to hear. He needed to hear it's time to get up and get back in the game, Zerubbabel. I want you to walk in my strength, power. It's not going to be by might nor by power, but by my spirit. And God says you can have victory, church. In those areas where you've experienced the weakness of your own flesh, the areas where you've experienced your own inabilities and the helplessness of your own efforts, it's in those very areas that you can experience the power of God's Spirit doing for you what you can't do for yourself and admitting that. And at the end, the cry is always the same, like verse 7, grace, grace. We're reminded of the grace of God and the work that he does in our lives, through our lives, and we, we just realize it's all God's grace. It's God's power. We're here by the grace of God. We can't take credit for what's been done. We can't take credit for the progress in our lives. We look at him, he's like, look what God has done. Look what he wants to do. And we just marvel at it. But I mean, the more you stare at that mountain, the more it discourages you. It might be, and you have to consider this, it might be not just the mountain. The mountain is what it is. The difficulty is what it is. But what I want you to consider this, maybe pray about it this week. What you may be discouraged about is not just the mountain, but the fact that you can't do anything about it because you've learned that you can't do anything about it because you tried. And you tried and failed. And you tried and failed and made things worse. That's cause for discouragement, disillusionment. You know, people do that all the time. And then you know what they do? They start blaming God for it. Well, you know, it's God's fault. No, no, no. Step back for a second. God's ready to empower you to handle anything that comes into your life. How is that God's fault? And so then people start moving away from God like, it's, like he doesn't care. Like he's abandoned you and he hasn't. He's promised to finish what he started in your life. He promised that. You can, you can take that all the way to eternity. God is going to finish the work. 
But be careful that you don't blame God for the activity of your own flesh. As we come to that, we try as hard as we can. We've tried by our power. We've listened to everyone's opinion. Haven't you found, have you learned this yet? You know, when crisis comes, all sorts of people come with their opinions on how you should handle your life. Anybody recognize, anybody have that? Amen, yes. Everybody's got an opinion. Do this, do this, do this. It makes you more confused than last time. But some of those people you respect very well. So they go, well, that was his opinion. I'll do it. Failed. Well, but she said this, failed. And then it's just like, what am I supposed to do? Trust in the Lord. And I'm learning as I continue on, as people have opinions for me and what I should do and how I've learned this. Everybody has an opinion, but only God's opinion matters. And I need to learn how to follow him and listen to him and obey him and let everything else get sorted out. Allow him to sort things out in my life. I don't need to defend myself. I don't need to put up a fight. I just need to trust in the Lord that he'll give revelation and understanding to anyone that might have an opinion. You don't want to try things by your efforts because, man, following opinions and whatever the new thing on TikTok is and whatever new life coach on Instagram is telling you, all of that, like you, it's like, what am I supposed to do? Sit down, read and pray and trust the Lord. He'll, he'll lead you and guide you if you will follow him. I remember being in this state as a newer believer, you know, because God wants to do a great work. Like he'll move the mountain. Like I remember when I was born again, like immediately, alcohol and drugs taken out of my life. Immediately. You know what wasn't taken out of my life? Ed. And so I needed to face now life sober. And I was a very bad person. I was a bad person to my wife, Marie. I was a bad person to my son. And now I got to deal with all this soberly. And I've got to deal with the full weight of it. I can't just go on drunk all the time and partying all the time and never home anymore. And I got, I got to deal with reality and my responsibilities. And God was helping me with that. And I was doing my best. But man, I kept hitting a wall, kept hitting a wall, kept hitting a wall. You know, I've shared this before, but for some of you, it might be brand new. Let me give you a picture of the old Ed. So the old Ed wasn't very nice to Marie. The old Ed was very cruel to her, very mean, not a good husband at all. And I got saved, and my, my, my eyes are open. I want to be a good husband. I want to be great. And so this is the things I would do. I'd read the Bible. I want to learn how to be a husband. And I remember the first time I read Ephesians, one of the most liberating verses, this is it, honey, this is it. We, and I called, her, I called her at work. I said, well, let's go to lunch. I want to show you something I found in the Bible. I just think it's going to help. It's going to help us in our marriage. All right, let's go to lunch. I would go to lunch. Well, I pick her up at work. We go to lunch, and I open up the Bible, and I say, look what it says here. Wives. Submit to your husbands as to the Lord. I've been right all along. And I believed it. And I don't remember her response that day. Although I've seen many responses, I'm sure I could re, I could re-think uh, it. You know, I could probably re, what's the word I want to use? Uh, yeah, whatever. <clears throat> it still shakes me to this day thinking about that. There was a few episodes like that. But, but here, here it was. I was, I was moving forward. I was, I was genuine, but I was so, so misguided in how to use the Bible. And so, that was my life for the first year. You know, Marie was ready to divorce me before we got saved. Do you know, not even eight or nine months after we got saved, she's ready to leave me again. Because all that really changed is I'm sober. That's a good thing. But now I'm using the Bible like a weapon to try to get my own way. 
And so somehow, I don't remember the brother, and I don't remember the exact timing, but somehow this must have been on all my face. You know, I'm just, I just don't know what I'm doing. I'm not doing this thing right. I'm not following God right. I don't know. Everything's collapsing. And some brother saw me in the hallway in children's ministry. I'm dropping off my kid. And, and he says, what's up, bro? And I'm giving him the story. He goes, ah, oh, this is what you need. You need to memorize this first. And I'm like, well, I already memorized Proverbs 3. So no, no, no. I want you to memorize this first. I want you to see it in your Bible. Would you turn over to Galatians chapter 2? Because this is the key. This is like a New Testament equivalent of Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. He doesn't want me, he didn't want me in that season moaning and complaining and I'm not getting it right and poor me, Ed. No, this is what he wanted. He wanted me to memorize this, and I have, although I'm going to read it for you from the Bible. I want you to see it. And wouldn't you know, when you open to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 in my Bible, guess what color it's highlighted? Green. This is foundational. You can't get any, you won't make any progress without this truth. Verse 20 of Galatians 2. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, just pause there, that's not sinful flesh, that's just humanity. The life I live in the body, that's what that word is. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't set aside the grace of God. That is the New Testament equivalent of what we're studying. You... And I, we need to die to ourselves. We've been crucified with Christ. So our plans, our methods, our schemes, none of them are going to work. Because we've been, we've, we're dead. We're, we're the, that's the old man and the old woman. We live in the newness of life. We live by faith. We trust God with our lives. We, we don't trust him with our schemes, and trying to figure it out and work a deal. We don't work through our methods through our manipulations and working. No, we don't do it with our five-year plan, our 10-year plan, our 15-year plan. Now, right away, some people are like, what? My five-year plan? No, it's not your five-year plan. As a matter of fact, those of you that are more organized, I love plans myself. I don't have five-year plans, but I love plans. If you're one of those people that are more organized, that's how God made you. Just write your five-year plan with a pencil. Be open to the work of the Holy Spirit. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a direction in your life, but you don't de depend on that. You don't work and go, well, we are in year two, and this is what we must do. What if God said no? What if he said, I want you to stop that? I want you to close that. I want you to turn left when you thought you were going to go right. I want you to go down when I thought you, were go you wanted to go up. What will you do? Because that's a challenge. Will you trust in yourself, or will you trust in the Lord? Even when it seems like, you should be going another direction. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to figure the Christian thing out. Just follow the Lord. Don't try to learn the system, learn the vocabulary. Give me the list. A lot of people love lists. Give me the list. Ed. Give me five things I must do. I could give you five things that will greatly help you for sure. And I even write like that on my blog for sure. But I'm not going to give you a list. Anybody asks me like that, I'm not going to give you the list. You want to know why? Because that's all you will follow is the list. What if in your life, you're looking for five things, but God has 10 things for you? Well, if you're just working the five, you'll never look for the next five. How about this? You want 10 things, but God says, no, your list is one. Well, that's not the one I want to do. I know. And really, if you think about it, 
There is just one, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. Look, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what's happening in your life. I know God's doing a new thing in our church. He's doing a new thing for us in this city. I'm very excited about it. It's, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be great. But it's not going to be by our strength or our wisdom or some church planning seminar or some new book or some new gimmick or some new whatever. We have to get on our knees and seek the Lord. You want to see revival? You're like, oh, revival's already happened. Nah, it hasn't. Get on your knees and pray for it. Get on your knees and pray for it. You know what you you know what you'll know when you'll know you know when you'll know when there is a revival, when there is brokenness and humility among God's people. That's when you'll know. Not this arrogant, yelling, loud, we're gonna fight, fight, fight. Yeah, go ahead and fight on your knees. And as one pastor said, I don't remember many years ago, he says, You want to see revival, you want to experience revival, go into your prayer closet. Draw a circle around yourself and pray for revival in that circle. And that's how it starts. Every single revival of all of church history has started with brokenness and prayer. And so let's submit ourselves to God. It could be that the mountain in your life is designed to break you. Well, I don't want to be broken. You need to be. Remember what David said in his psalm of repentance? These are what you sacrifice. Brokenness, contriteness. You can't keep going the same way you're going and expect different results, especially following Jesus. Substantive change needs to happen, and it needs to happen from heaven. Heading into a new year, heading into a new day, new week, new month, requires us to trust in the Lord. Listen, precious church, I want to end here. Turn over to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We're studying the book of Acts as a church. God's teaching us so many new folks. Welcome. We're glad you're here. So many new people online, on the radio. We're grateful that God has trusted us with you. We're going to love you and serve you. We're going to teach you the Bible. We're going to feed you well. We're going to shepherd you well unto Jesus. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. It's great. And we need to learn what the church is like. We need to know what God's heart is. We need to understand how he started it, how he continues it, and what he wants to do in the future. And we learn here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it's been many weeks, many months since we studied it, but by way of review, notice what Jesus says. And say this word out loud when I get there. But you shall receive, what does your Bible say? Let's say it again. You shall receive power. You want power? Here's the answer. You want power for the mountain, for your family, for your son, for your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter, for your ministry, for your home, for your job, for your business, whatever. You want power. Jesus says, you will receive it when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Chapter 2. Now, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Check this out. And I want you, when I get there, I want you to say with me. And suddenly there came a sound. What does it say? Okay, you're not with me. We're almost done. Stay with me. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven. I help you out with that one. The sound came from heaven. And here's my final word. The blessing, the power, the fulfilled promises, the manifestations, they all came from heaven. All from above. It was supernatural, church, not natural. The church was born, 
Not by human effort, not by man's talents, not by well-designed plans, not by seminary, not by Bible college, not by intellect, not by some man's charisma or personality or a bunch of gimmicks. The church was born of God. You were born again of God. Many of you, your marriage rescued by God. Your kids raised in a godly home. Your faith comes from God. As the old King James says, that we must be endued with power from above. That's the place. It has to come from heaven. Not even some sermon. You're going to forget this sermon. I promise you, many of you are going to forget it. You're going to forget the point. Some of you already forgot what I said 10 minutes ago. I get it. We got a lot going on, a lot of information. But this is what you have to remember. You need power of God. It has to come from him. I can't give it to you. Some sermon can't give it to you. The church can't give it to you. Some guy on YouTube can't give it to you. Only God can give you what you're looking for. And if you don't change, and you settle for something less, then things aren't going to go as you would want them. We need something from heaven. Church, precious saints, there's not one promise we can claim. As one person put it, there's not one promise we can claim until we refuse to accept what is and reach out in repentance, humility, and faith for what could be. We have to admit where we are and then submit ourselves in repentance to the Holy Spirit's burning among us. We need power from on high. And you can't just accept the way it's always been anymore. Things are changing. People are changing. Your family's changing. The world is changing. I know we talk a lot about our culture, but the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. The whole world. And in the great freedoms that we've been given, to whom much is given, much is required. Sure, the Lord's going to open doors that are amazing, wonderful, and we're going to go right through them. And yes, God's going to close some doors. They're going to be painful and hard, but we're going to accept it. And we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us why he closed the door later on. But either way, we're going to look to the Lord, just like in your life. You need power from heaven, church. You're not going to get it any other way. Amen? Father, we pray for your spirit to take the truths today, make them come alive in our lives. And even if we don't remember a word of this sermon, we remember that you're ready to empower us, that we've been crucified with you, And just let your word burn in us. What you started, you're complete. You'll perfect that which concerns us. You work on on us. You work through us. You work for us. And I would just say, if you're here today as we're praying, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that right now. Turn away from your sins and receive the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, the cleansing of your life, and a brand new person. God will do a brand new work in you. And if that's you, I'm going to invite you right where you are. Would you just stand to your feet? I'd like to pray with you that today would be the day God has brought you. God bless you in the back, right here. Who else would say, that's me? Today is the day. That's the power and the work. God starts today, right now. You guys downstairs, I know the overflow room's been getting full lately. You guys down in the cafe, you're not forgotten even if I don't see you on the radio right now or online we had a sister uh, a, a gal 
become a sister in the Lord last night online. And so we know that the Lord would use that. Who else would say right here, we want to give a holy moment. God bless you. A holy moment right now. God inviting you. Bless you as well. God bless you right here. And I, it's a public, you know, I'm, today I just really feel like you guys need to have a public, like just feel the warmth of love in this room of how happy we are for you. And you're not alone. God has put you in a family. He's taken the solitary and put us in a family. <clears throat> this love for God gets to be expressed now. Is there anyone else? I don't want to, especially right here in the room. I don't want to delay. You might be listening in a prison cell right now or a hospital room, your car, your little iPod, walk in the park. The Lord knows. And just stop. Come to the Lord. So pastors, go ahead and connect as you guys see them because we want you to sense the reality of the presence of men and women here that help serve you and encourage you. You're not alone to help you. So just know that there are men and women here to serve you in the body of Christ. And I want to help you fulfill what the Bible says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so you can talk to God right now. I'll, I'll use some words you can repeat, but you can change them to your circumstances. But they're simple. You could say something like, God, I admit that I've sinned against you. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe you sent Jesus to live for me, to die for me. And I believe Jesus rose again from the dead to save my soul. And I turn, I turn my life away from my sins and I choose to follow you, God, all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Bless you. Sometimes people question why we would clap like that, but the Bible says that even just one person repenting, the angels in heaven rejoice. So we're just joining the heavenly crowd of being happy for the work of God. And every time someone responds, you get to experience it. It's, it reminds you that God isn't done with the person you've been praying for. They can happen in an instant. It just, it's just God working in his own timing. So the mom you're praying for, the dad you're praying for, God is ready to work. Don't give up. Don't go weary in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap, what? If you don't lose heart. So one more thing before we leave, and I appreciate you guys staying sitting, seated. I really believe if in response to the Bible study today, some of you need to acknowledge you need a fresh work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Some of you need to be baptized and enveloped by the Holy Spirit. But the Bible also says to be ye filled. Don't be drunk with wine, which is in dissipation, but be ye filled by the Holy Spirit. There's an ongoing filling. And so today, if you're just in that place where you need, to, you need power for your family, you need power for your life, you need power for your singleness, you need power for your relationships, you need power for, at work, you need power in your finances, all the mountains that we face, you've been doing it all. Some of you, and we're not going to ask you, you just know, you just, you're going to stand, God, empower me with your spirit, and I repent. What have I been doing? What have I been doing, Lord? I don't want to waste my life. I want to use it for your glory.
And so if you need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I want to just invite you to stand because that's, that's the ones I want standing right now. You just need the Spirit of God to come upon you, to fill you, to wash you, to cleanse you, to warm you, to fill you, to fuel you, to help some of the friction that's been going on. And just like, oh Lord. Father, I just pray you pour out your Holy Spirit on us near and far that we receive the power from on high. Our hearts are broken, our minds are filled, and our desire is for you, God. And we're so imperfect, and like, we'll, we'll blow it today, I'm sure, tomorrow. But we'll lean on your grace, Lord, because we don't want to blow it. We want to blow it less. And so fill us with your Spirit, Lord. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I just pray that over our church, God, that we would live the crucified life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Church. For prayer, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. To listen to this message in its entirety or to join us for our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.